0: Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey the Hickman Hunter. I'm Audrey, and I'm your host. I am so happy that you all are here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Every other Tuesday, we have an awesome guest come on and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have grown and evolved throughout their story. Subscribe to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey the Hickman Hunter on your podcast player so you guys will never miss an episode. Welcome back to the No Wrong Turns Podcast with Audrey the Hickman Hunter. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Audrey. The No Wrong Turns podcast talks to people about their story and their passions. It aims to see how their passions have grown and evolved throughout their story. Hey friends, happy Tuesday! It is September. I seriously cannot believe it. How did we get to fall already? I don't know about you listeners, but I am still good with summer weather being outside. I don't mind if it stays a little bit longer. This weekend though, my husband and I were able to meet up with some friends at a farm slash barn slash orchard like place where we got to pick some apples, play some yard games. So we have officially started off the fall season with a traditional Midwestern apple picking uh, situation. What have you all done to start off the fall season. Listeners, welcome to our 22nd episode. Today on the podcast, we have Bethany Bayless. Bethany and I met at the very beginning, well, even before the beginning of our freshman year because we had met through a school Facebook group and arranged to be roommates. So you'll hear some of our freshman year highlights during the beginning of the interview. In this episode, Bethany will be sharing with us her experience as an MC, a speaker, a fellow podcaster, a finance guru, and an entrepreneur. Bethany grew up in a military family, living in various places throughout her childhood. Bethany was involved in strings, playing the violin, and drama during her later school years. Her original dream was to be able to use her passion for speaking to be a radio host. Bethany chats with us today about her college years and deciding what major she wanted to go with. She shares about how exactly she used to pay for her college rent. Bethany tells us about finding a job overseas, moving and then living abroad, communal living with fellow co-workers, and almost getting deported from her host country, and much, much more you're for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Bethany's story and all the twists and turns. And as you're listening, I think you all will will definitely be able to see Bethany's passions as a thread or a link between all her chapters in her story and her different career moves. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Bethany Bayless. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Bethany, and she's all the way in California. Hi, Bethany. Hey, Audrey. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm
1: so good. It's actually kind of gloomy here in California, and it's raining, and so I'm just cozying up with my coffee, and we need the rain, so it's really good. I like
0: it. Nice. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell a little bit about who you are. We know you're from California, but any fun facts that you want to let us know about?
1: I am a MC and a speaker. That's what I do to make money, which is a lot of fun. I also have a podcast and po- I podcast with my mom. Very my dad, fun and talk about personal finance and entrepreneurship every single week. And my fun fact is that I was Audrey's roommate for my freshman year <laughs> of college. Yes. I feel like that's a super fun fact because it feels like a long time ago.
0: Yes. It was a long time ago when our roommates decided that they didn't want to pay for heat. And we, Bethany's mom sent us money. So we got a, do you remember that? Electric I don't remember heater. this at all. No. Yes, our roommates decided that the heat needed to be at 60 degrees or 55. And they said if it was cold to just put on another sweatshirt, And I was like, I can't survive. So thankfully, Bethany and I shared the master suite.
1: Yes, with Danica. We had three of us in the same room.
0: Yeah, but when it started to get cold, Danica hop ship and move somewhere else. But I remember your mom sent us money and you're like, I'm getting this radiator or heater thing. And then... We got it in our room and it was so great. It was so warm. And I literally, I don't remember spending any time in the living room when it was cold. <laughs> and all the roommates downstairs were just cold. I just, that's a big memory from freshman year.
1: My big memory from freshman year is one time we were hanging out in our bedroom and all of a sudden it was one o'clock in the morning and we heard somebody pounding on our front door. Do you remember this? I don't know. We heard this oh, guy crazy, pounding. It was, crazy man. it was a crazy man looking for drugs because we're pretty sure the people who lived there before mm-hmm. us had what? Because we had just moved in, we thought that he we were pretty sure he got drugs from them or something. And Audrey, we're like, Audrey, go down. You have a black belt. You need to protect <laughs> us. And I remember you going down the stairs. And we ended up calling the almost like she was the RA. I kind I guess of the yeah. whole, And the police ended up picking him up. A couple. Like a couple blocks away, and I just remember that, and not telling my parents.
0: <laughs>
1: they would be super scared of where we lived.
0: Yeah, I remember that. That was pretty funny. Good times, freshman year. That Good was time. in. <gasps> that was twelve years ago.
1: Let's not talk about it.
0: That's Let's... crazy. Wow, we're we're getting up there in the uh, age department.
1: It's really crazy.
0: <sighs> wow, that's. I just can't believe it. All right, so pivoting from that uh, fun time, Bethany, you said you are from California, and are you from Northern California or Southern California?
1: Technically, I'm from Southern California. We don't really consider Northern California a part of California. They're very different. They should be two states, but we we don't have to talk about that, but... (laughs) I actually grew up as a military brat, so I moved around a lot, and my parents settled in northern Los Angeles County when I was in high school, so from all over, but officially from California, and I live there now.
0: Awesome. Where was one of the fun places you got to live when you were growing up?
1: We lived in a lot of really cool places. One of my favorites was New York. We lived in upstate New York, and we had a lot of experiences with very cold weather. We (laughs) would get lots of snow, and we survived the worst ice storm in 40 years that New York had ever seen, and we all ended up staying inside with no power, no heat, and we were not trapped, but we were iced in, and we all had lice. Oh that my! Was, that gosh. was fun. That was a really fun experience for us. I have four brothers, and all of us had lice during an ice storm. I don't know if they meant to rhyme, but those two things.
0: <laughs> and you had no power, so you really couldn't do anything about it.
1: We had a kerosene heater, much like the freshman year that you and I had. <laughs>
0: so maybe it harkened to some old memories. Thankfully, we did not get lice, though. That is that's true. <laughs> Awesome. So in your high school years, you you were in California, right? Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: I went to all four years were in California.
0: Awesome. So what were some hobbies or clubs or groups that you were a part of during those years?
1: So I was known for drama club. I was in drama (laughs) most of... (laughs) My high school years, I was the I was typecast as being the very loud, energetic, happy girl. So I was always typecast in the plays of that character, usually the comedic relief of some sort. And I ended up winning two national drama awards when I was not actually enrolled in drama. You had to be enrolled in drama like a drama class and I was not, and I still somehow won these two national awards for drama. And that was my thing. I loved it. It was a lot of fun being able to be on stage and to make people laugh. That's really where I found out that people like it when you are funny and that you make them laugh. So that was pretty much the big thing I was known for. I was also in strings, not orchestra, because we didn't have orchestra, but I was in strings because I played the violin. And so I played violin for strings class and for the worship team at my
0: school so is what's the difference between strings and orchestra
1: there were about 20 people less than you need to have for an orchestra so we have about seven people
0: okay so for the untrained eye for me like I would just be calling that orchestra Yes, but it's more of a numbers thing to get it that is, title. Well, yeah, it wasn't really a full
1: orchestra. It was more kind of like an ensemble,
0: okay, and we okay. didn't
1: officially have a viola section. We did have two cellos, and then the rest were violins.
0: Okay. So, yes. So, did you go to a small, smaller high school then?
1: I did. I went to a very small high school. My graduating class was the largest graduating class in history. They haven't they haven't passed it even to this day, of a hundred and two people.
0: Oh wow, that's interesting. I graduated with I think like six hundred and fifty, <laughs> which even that
1: I feel like is a little bit smaller because I have friends who their high school class was two thousand people. Yeah, that's crazy, and, and just that class. So that means that there were other three There's other like 8, classes
0: thousand people.
1: So many people at this high school. So I was a very small high school. We had. L- Fewer than 500 p- kids that went to the school. Very small school. Everybody knows everybody and everything. And it was like a small town where everyone just gossiped and were in their little cliques. And much like other high schools. Mm, adorable.
0: <laughs> so when you were in high school, what were you thinking about your next steps? Especially when you were maybe junior and senior year. Were you thinking you were going to graduate and start working, graduate, and, I mean, I know you went to college because we were roommates, but what were you thinking?
1: I was an interesting high schooler. I felt like classes came very easily to me, so certain classes, I could do them, but I just wasn't really motivated. I didn't like being in high school. I thought it was boring, and so Mm -hmm. I would skip class a lot, so I wasn't super motivated in many things. So I didn't have this big five-year plan. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what sounded fun. And I did enough to get by. So I mostly Mm -hmm. got A's and B's, but a lot of it was through teeth pulling and me not really applying myself. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I thought for a while, maybe I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know what that would look like. And then it kind of changed a lot. And then my goal was to go to college and my parents had this rule. You don't go to the college you can get into. You can go to the college that you, you can afford. And so it wasn't like I was shooting for Stanford anyway, but I was looking <laughs> at schools that I could afford that I could get into. And so I had two options at the time. I had my local community college, which I would have just gotten a general education something. Or Mm -hmm. there was this school called Moody Bible Institute that is paid for by donors. The tuition is paid for by donors. And during my senior year, I went with my mom because my mom is in this industry. She's in the space of personal finance and she's written like 15 books and she's been on interviews and all this stuff. So we went together with her for this. She published with Moody Publishers. And so we went to visit the publisher and then also to be on some radio shows at moody radio and so I remember going into the studios being with her and saying okay this is pretty cool I think I would love to get into radio or communications I feel like that's something that I can do I didn't want to be an actress because it was too hard and way too much competition so I wanted to do something like that so I applied to moody and ended up going to Spokane for the first year and then Chicago the other three years much like yourself Yes, yes and then when when I was in college, that was what I focused on was communications and radio, and my dream was to be a radio DJ.
0: Didn't you have you had a radio show in college? I we'll did. Get there, right? Okay, we'll get there. But just foreshadowing,
1: I did have a radio show in college.
0: Awesome. So you saw Moody? You're like, this place seems pretty pretty rad, and <laughs> you applied, obviously. Yep. I applied and I got in. It was a sign. Awesome. What was your initial thoughts when you, you, they were like, okay, we got to send you to Spokane first?
1: It was really interesting because my application was lost online. So I don't know if you knew this. My essays were complete. It was like the first year that they had switched over to the online application uh-huh. and they had completely lost my essays in cyberspace. Uh-huh. They didn't no. know where they were. I had submitted on time. I paid the fee, all the things. And so they didn't even review my application until after they sent out acceptance letters. And even though I had submitted everything the way that I was supposed to. And so we ended up, my parents called and this kept happening. I kept calling and be like, Have there, is there any word? And they kept saying, no, we don't. It was like they were putting me off or something. And my parents ended up calling and talking to the dean of admission.
0: parents just know how to get it done
1: (laughs) they know how to do stuff and they ended up talking he looked over my essays he found they found them somehow it's a miracle it was a miracle and he looked over them and then accepted me on that program immediately And so I was like, it's a sign from the Lord that this is what I need to do. Thanks mom and dad. If it wasn't for them, I would not probably be where I am today in so many ways.
0: Awesome. So you got accepted. Did you start out knowing that you were going to be a communications major? Well, in Spokane,
1: they didn't have all of the majors. Mm-hmm. And so we started out doing biblical studies, just general biblical studies, which was a lot of fun. And I knew I wanted to go to the Chicago campus for communications. Okay. I was also looking at Jewish studies. That was mm-hmm. another one that I was looking into because I, at my heritage, uh, we're Jewish. My ancestors came from Russia during the Bolshevik revolution because they were being persecuted as Jews. So that's why they came to America. And... Mm. So that was really interesting to me, too, of just Jewish Mm -hmm. studies. And my sister lives in Israel. She's married to an Israeli, and they are Messianic Jews with a ministry out there as well. So that was something I was looking into, but my passion really was in communication in that side of things, and I thought that that was something that I could do. My freshman year at Spokane, however, I briefly contemplated staying in Spokane for a youth ministries major that partially was because there was a boy in Spokane oh, wasn't and, there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh and then my parents saved the day once again and said no you're not staying in Spokane you should go to Chicago and the boy and I did not work out and it was a sign from the Lord once again that uh, that's what I was supposed to do
0: yeah, Spokane was so great. I mean, I definitely wanted to stay there as well. I was like trying to make... I was like, yeah, like, sure, this could work. No, we were meant for Chicago. I think and we I'm gla- all had that phase. Because we just loved our freshman year. Yeah. I just have to tell the listeners. It was just glorious. It was the, the, the sweetest freshman year. We were just having lily parties. And we threw an 80s party. And what did we do? We got crazy. We got our 80s clothes. And then... We didn't know what to do. So we walked to a grocery store and I have photos of me and my best friends from college with blocks of cheese. I was <laughs> gonna and... say, hey, were you in the cheese aisle? I remember oh, these photos, totally. and our
1: makeup was crazy and we just looked like crazy kids. Well, and the other thing was we were a bunch of 17, 18 year olds, and we're just it was a crash course in independence because what was different yes. about Spokane was that we all lived in our own apartments. We all had our own houses or responsibilities or whatever. It wasn't a dorm situation. We had to buy food and cook Electric for ourselves. Bells. All the things. We had to establish our internet in our apartment. <laughs> you know, all the things. And it, I, that was a massive crash course in life for me because I don't know if you remember, but i it was hard to find a job. In Spokane because there were six colleges and there were a lot of kids our age, not a lot of jobs to go around because they were mostly taken. And so I paid for my rent selling my blood plasma.
0: I remember that. A lot of people were really into the selling of the plasma.
1: It was easy. And I to this day, I was like, you know what? It worked. I paid my bills and it it's was true. also one of these things that m- our rent was 240 a month.
0: Oh, wow, you remember that.
1: oh, I remember this exactly because when I sold plasma, I got exactly 240 a month. Oh my
0: so gosh. I only
1: made mo- enough money to pay for just our rent. Doesn't matter about utilities. I went without food for a little, while. <laughs> I would just mooch off of my friends. I think. But it was a it was a major crash course in look if you don't have money then you don't get these things someone's not, not going to necessarily bail you out and I remember saying to my parents when they were like do you want help and I said no I'm an adult and this is what adults do
0: but Whoa. my mom did
1: a space heater so that was really <laughs> yes, nice she did
0: thank you very much <laughs> awesome okay so you we all wanted to stay in Spokane but our parents pushed us to Chicago. And you got to Chicago, and were you still excited about being a communications major? How are you feeling about that? Yeah,
1: I decided communications was the way to go be- between the two. And one of the really cool things was that there was a radio program. It was broadcasting, specifically with the communications majors. There were three different kinds. There was print media, electronic media, and then just general communications, And so I chose the broadcasting electronic media part of it. And there was only me and one other girl in that major. And wow, that girl, this is a fun story. That girl was Darby masters and we met in an elevator one day and she had heard I was the only other person in that major. And she's like, Hey, you are in electronic media broadcasting. Do you want to start a radio show? And I said, Nice to meet you. Yeah, let's do it. In the elevator, she asked you this? In the elevator. And long story short, we had a radio show, and that really paved the way for a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And fast forward, Ten years now, I guess. Darby is still one of my best friends. She was the maid of honor in my wedding. She worked on our podcast for a while, and she's probably gonna be flying out in the next couple of months to come hang out with me whilst I'm pregnant and Ooh. nesting and setting up the baby room and all of that stuff. So it was a major a major relationship in my life, but also I loved loved, loved radio. I loved that side of it.
0: That's awesome. So when you were going through college and this major, you just had a lot of opportunities for, you had your radio show and you had your one friend. <laughs> my,
1: she was my <laughs> only friend
0: at Moody. Just kidding. Just kidding. So as you were continuing in your classes and learning about broadcasting and radio, what were some of the things that you were gravitating towards and you were finding interesting?
1: Radio was a major one with our radio show. I ended up getting an internship at Moody radio, which is a really big full circle thing for me because that was the reason I was prompted to go to Moody in the first place was because Mm -hmm. I went and sat in the studio and I ended up working in the same studio that I had sat in when I was 18. Wow! So it was a major <laughs> full circle thing, a major, really big deal. I was on radio with, I, I was a producer at the time, and then I was on sh- on air every once in a while. And so I would go into that studio frequently and mm-hmm. it really taught me the behind the scenes part of it. So I loved the on air part. I loved being able to be the host. And then also I was able to learn the production side of it. So scheduling guests, scheduling logistics, following through sending lots of emails doing all the the things for that and so Mm -hmm. that was a really big opportunity for me as well and I also was involved in what did they call it symphonic band
0: that was something I was
1: also known for I was part of that crew so that was fun (laughs) and we would travel as as a band which was a lot of fun Like, hey, I'm down with thing. I like traveling and being able to play shows and and do things like that. So that was kind of a different aspect of it, too, of just kind of something that was a foreshadowing of what I was going to do eventually.
0: Awesome. So as you were in senior year of college, what were you thinking for your your next steps? Because you were going to graduate. Were you thinking that you needed more experience or more schooling What were you thinking of your next steps after you graduated?
1: The really beautiful thing about going to Moody was that I was able to graduate debt-free. And that was a massive, massive, massive thing for me and what I wanted to do. And there was about halfway through senior year, there was another boy that didn't work out. And it really – I was like, okay, I – I'm completely free. There's nothing that says I have to stay in Chicago. There's nothing dictating that I have to get a job right away. And so what I ended up doing was really being able to take my time and just enjoy living in Chicago on my own for a while. So I was able to get an apartment in Lincoln Park in Chicago, and I lived the summer there. And I just kind of lived off of what people gave me for college gifts or college graduation gifts and i worked at a restaurant in downtown chicago called pf chang's and i was <laughs> a hostess there and that summer was so much fun it was just going to festivals and concerts and events and just being an adult and had just graduated college and just kind of exploring what that felt like it was almost it was very similar to our freshman year of college in the sense <laughs> of we have an apartment we have to you know, pay money and pay rent and all of these life basic things. And I had just gotten into running. And so I was really active runner at the time. And so being able to kind of like set my schedule and just be really flexible and to kind of dream a little bit of what is it that I do want to do? I, I know and I, I love radio. I love working at this radio station. I had applied for a couple jobs there. I didn't get them. I had applied for another job that I was an intern For this company didn't get it and I when I was an intern for this company it was for a missions organization where I was running their social media and when I didn't get this job it was incredibly devastating and I was like what do I do and I realized all right I'm not in a relationship I have a short-term lease on my apartment I literally could go anywhere I could go absolutely anywhere I wanted to and so I ended up Taking my very first job out of college was a volunteer position for a company in England, and I moved to Stoke-on-Trent, England, to work for a creative media team.
0: Oh wow! Is that close to London? Uh, that's really <laughs> the main city I know in in
1: England. So it's about three hours north of London. In kind of it's the northern part of England, not necessarily the touristy part at all they kind of refer to it as the armpit of England and i'm sorry Ooh. that i didn't say that i i didn't start that but i <laughs> just was repeating. just repeating i was <laughs> just repeating what i'm told but i was so incredibly excited to be there it was a really it was a fun opportunity to live in another country to be able to work on something that i was passionate about it was working on media projects for children around europe giving them gospel messages so It included a lot of different things. It could have included written materials or videos or radio programs, et cetera, et cetera. So we would work on these these things and we would actually travel to the countries that we were giving them for. And so I was able to travel to six countries in the very first few months that I was there. And it really opened up my eyes of living in another country I had never even been to A country overseas at all i had been to the u.s canada and mexico and that was about it and so it was a really awesome opportunity that i wouldn't have been able to have had i had not graduated debt-free because i didn't make any money
0: it was i was just gonna ask you you said this was a volunteer position so did you have to fundraise or raise support
1: i i raised a tiny bit of support it was like an optional thing so room and board was completely free. I was okay, able. Okay, that's to, helpful. It was super nice. They gave us the equivalent of about fifty dollars a week for our food, and then we lived in. <laughs> looking back now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it was just us, and then we would share dinner responsibilities. And we lived in a small four-bedroom. They called a flat, but it was kind of like a four-bedroom apartment. Uh-huh. With nine other people, boys and girls.
0: Oh my gosh! So like bunk bed situation, completely
1: bunk bed situation. One room had three guys in it, and it I'm was sure that something... smelled great. <laughs> I didn't go in there a lot. It was, <laughs> and then there was like a tiny little common area that connected all of the rooms. And I lead all of this up to saying, it on the outset, it was a really. Great opportunity. But it also very quickly became a very difficult situation. Hmm. And that's that's like the next part of the story. So I'll let you I'll ask I'll let you ask a question.
0: Wow. That's crazy. So how again, how long did you do that for? You said three years?
1: I was there a year.
0: Oh, I don't know where I heard. A (laughs) A little bit less than a year. So you were Um, in the honeymoon phase for a couple months and then started getting a little real cramped. It got hungry.
1: Real, real fast because here is another aspect of it is you are working with Christians. You are in a house, you know, doing ministry, which is really great. You also find out very quickly that even Christians sin and are difficult to get along with.
0: (laughs) No way.
1: There are personalities. There are really weird. There were very weird dynamics when I was living there. I was in the honeymoon phase for about three months. And that and that honeymoon phase lasted through me almost being deported, by the way. Oh wow. Because we went we went to Greece and I came back and didn't have the a visa that I needed because the company that I was working for didn't get it for me before I came out. And so I had to go I was in the airport. I was trying to get back in the country. The immigration officer flagged me, put me in a corral of these seats for about 45 minutes. And then she comes over to me and says, I'm sorry, you're probably a very nice person, but you just don't have the right paperwork to be here. So you have to go.
0: And no here, I, am.
1: <laughs> I this was two weeks after I had gotten in the country, I had packed up all of my life in Chicago, I had put everything in two suitcases, and went and just totally took a massive leap of faith, believing that this is what God wanted me to do to move to another country completely uproot my life. And about two weeks into it, I'm like, great, God, so now I'm supposed to leave. And what happened was they processed me into the back of the airport like the deep, dark bowel ways. I, I used the word bowels and I wasn't going to. But I'm so glad that you did. Exactly. The deep, dark bowels of the airport. And I was there for about five hours while they were sorting out my situation. And I was next to a very high man whose eyes were incredibly bloodshot. And I was just like, dear Lord, what am I doing with my life? And I ended up getting a different immigration officer who let me land. But that was a very harrowing experience.
0: But it's a great story to tell on podcasts one Um, day. Totally. I mean, that is quite a life experience.
1: It was wonderful. And I wrote a lot in my journal about it.
0: Hey, listeners. This week, our sponsor is The Little Pencil Company. During the past several months, I've been finding myself following various hand lettering and graphic artists. One that I came across in this time was called The Little Pencil Company. I found this artist, Leanne, through the good old Instagram, my favorite social media platform to hang out on. The reason that I was piqued, my interest was piqued when I saw her page, was that she had created a skyline picture of Chicago, my hometown. Since then, I've gotten to try out a few for stickers to jazz up some of my everyday items that I use. To see the art created by The Little Pencil Company, go give them a follow on their Instagram at The Little Pencil Company. That is at T-H-E-L-I-T-T-L-E-P-E-N-C-I-L-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. Over on their Insta page, you can check out the many, many different skylines Leanne has created, along with other hand-illustrated maps and custom art, along with a link to the Little Pencil Company's Etsy shop. All right, back to Bethany's story. And
1: the honeymoon phase lasted about three months. I went home for Christmas and then i came back and things kind of started taking taking a turn for maybe not necessarily the best and go ahead sorry. one might say the worst <laughs> yes for the worst <laughs> <laughs> and um there were a couple things that happened first of all it was just it was a situation where there's like i said nine people living together And this really strange expectation of perfection that just got really, really difficult. And it was like if people, like they expected you to behave as if it were the best situation when it was not the best situation. And they also put you in, you know, there's four girls. There are about five girls and four guys. And they also said, by the way, you're going to live together, but you're not allowed to be in a relationship of any sort. This is not allowed. Not allowed at all. And there was a boy. (laughs) I swear my life is not punctuated by men. I (laughs) promise you. There was a boy. It just comes out
0: this way in (laughs) in the story. It's fine though. It's fine. It's just like life,
1: life stages had just different things that actually had something to do with my life decisions at the time. And Mm -hmm. there was a boy and we weren't allowed to date. But everyone kind of knew, like, oh, I think there's a thing. And so there was a lot of speculation that we were in a relationship when we were not. And the company I was working for, just a lot of things happened that were really difficult. I really started to question just my, my self-worth and, and who I was. And um, oh. I didn't feel appreciated. I felt very useless living there. It was just a very difficult very difficult season in my life. And it ended up happening that I came home, but I felt like a total failure that I couldn't make this work, that people were telling me that I was, they told me I was poisonous, that I was negative. I was negative
0: influence
1: that I, and a lot of it had to do with the leadership of the team and just different dynamics where, I, I, I'm being very vague on purpose of just different things that happened. Cause that's like a four hour story, mm-hmm. but it, it was a time that I felt incredibly just like a complete failure. And at the, I w- had just turned 22 and I remember going home, home, home after living in England, um, things off, <laughs> things didn't work out with the boy, but also things didn't work out for the first time professionally in something that I had invested everything I was and I very quickly started to associate my value and my worth with what I was able to do and my success Mm -hmm. and being able to be looked at in a certain way or being perceived as being a good person or even as being a successful person who was good at life and that's a... (laughs) very it was a very crazy time it was my first existential crisis but it was also the very first time that i had felt that i had failed in something of i couldn't make this work i was deemed all of these terrible things and i r- was stuck in the middle of a lot of drama that really had nothing to do with me but i felt like it had every do with me, and who was a person? And I started feeling. Even at the age of twenty-two, I remember going home, and I just had to heal. I went to therapy, which is great. I highly suggest therapy.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And one of the things that my therapist helped me understand was even in Christianity, even in you know, I had just graduated Moody, so I had this really beautiful, naive perspective of mm-hmm. ministry going to be great. When ministry mm-hmm. is not that great. And when it, it can be not that great, it is also really great, but it's really hard. I'll just say it. That yeah. Way. It's very difficult because you're still dealing with people who are sinful. You yourself are sinful, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so my hopes and dreams were in not so many words dashed, completely <sighs> dashed. And I felt like I had nothing to offer the world. I, from that experience was blackballed in what I wanted to do. I wanted to go be at a radio station in England and they straight up the company that I had worked for said, if you hire her, we will never, we will cut off her relationship with you.
0: Wow, it was a big deal.
1: It was a really big deal. And the guy who I was working for at the time said, I'm going to tell them to not hire you. And so he completely blackballed me in what, did I, what I wanted to do. And again, this isn't making a ton of sense without a lot of details, but it was really hard for me as, as a young person really trying and felt like I had very good intentions. I had very good motives. And so many things happened that just made me feel horrible. And so that's when I came home and had to heal for a solid three months Of just working through therapy. And my Oh yes. My therapist said. That. (laughs) Christianity. And ministry. And churches. Is a really great place. For abuse to happen. That nobody calls abuse. So there's a lot of emotional abuse. A lot of spiritual abuse. And because we're Christians. We tend to cover it up. And to say. Well we're all Christians here. So we should all just forgive. And everything's fine. Yeah. And which. That's not the case. And so there are abusive situations that happen and I really felt like that was an abusive situation that I came out of and a very toxic work environment. And I learned a lot about leadership and what it's like and what kind of leader I don't want to be one day. And I want to empower the people that work for me. And so a lot of healing had to take place and a lot of just applying for jobs and not getting them and just really having to trust like, all right, God, I have a feeling you want something for me, but I don't know what it is. And it's really hard.
0: Wow. That's, that's very intense. So you came home and you were just healing for, you said like three months. And then what was your, what was your next step after that? What, what could you even do? I mean, just after being kind of kicked and thrown down.
1: It was actually a really beautiful thing because I feel like God always has a plan. He always knows what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And a lot of beginnings start, a lot of beginnings come out of failure Mm -hmm. and come out of really horrible endings. And so I didn't do a lot of work at all for three months. I felt like a failure because I had to move home with my parents. And, you know, I, I, from the age of 18, I'd been on my own. And. I remember that you don't move home with your parents because that's not what adults do. And I was living at home, and my mom, who I had said had been in this space for, for a very long time, she had just started communications and interacting with the military for her to bring a program onto military bases that taught financial education. And so she was in the works of, coordinating this deal and they were going to be event-based and she would travel to the bases and give an entire program for military members and what happened was she said I like I said I was applying for a lot of jobs and they were all saying no and it was a really frustrating thing because I would get to like the second and third interviews and they would just say we're not hiring for this anymore or we passed for someone with more experience or, you know, just like lots of heartbreak. Oh oh my goodness, I'm not getting anywhere. And so my mom said, all right, I need help on this program. If you're willing to work for a little while until you find a job, I can Mm -hmm. hire you and you can help me develop this program. And so what ended up happening was we together program for military members and I became the MC for these events. And she says, I really need an MC who's very high energy and who can be exciting. And I was like, you know what Check. I do that. And it was something that it had pulled together, my years of being on stage in drama when I was in high school and also the production side of things for when I was working with radio. And it was this really beautiful marriage between the two where I started. What am I saying? Hold on. I was, I was the point of contact for all of the bases that we went to. So I planned all of the details ahead of time. And there's a lot of details involved. We had other people who would speak on the
0: program.
1: And we were one of three organizations that were allowed to give financial education on base. It's not a thing that everyone's able to do. And we were able to do. And we were by far the smallest one. And so we did that for about four years. We had over 50 events. We traveled to... Five different countries we were able to do programs all over the place and it was a really beautiful wonderful thing and it kind of got to the point where I was doing this out of desperation or some sort of necessity but it turned into exactly what the way that it was supposed to be and it was a opportunity for me to work with my mom again for us to travel together and for me to really start developing a new skill set that had come from something I had already done But I was able to put on an entire program for these men and women around the world, and it was amazing.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So you said that was 50 events that you guys did together about, and then how how long were you, how long was that again?
1: It lasted about four years, and the first year we had six events, the second year we had 12 events. third year we had 17 and then we did a European tour and it just all added up to a lot of bases and a lot of traveling and a lot of work
0: wow did you have a favorite place you got to travel or visit
1: I loved our European tour it was exhausting it was three weeks in Europe and Mm -hmm. that sounds really wonderful which it is but we were working the entire time and driving all around we drove from Germany to Italy and then we flew over to England and we had we did so many events at all these different places and it's it's hilarious looking back on it but we really bonded with the other speakers who were there with us and every night we would have delicious meals and we'd all end up crying over something and just bonding with each other but also it was me and my mom in these travel stressful situations like being on the Autobahn in Germany and I was driving and there's no speed limit and I'm trying to keep up with these other people and my mom is in the front seat freaking <laughs> out so we're going about the equivalent of 130 miles an hour Oh my goodness. and she's slowed like, slow
0: down and I'm like I'm trying to keep up and it was just
1: a lot of fun so I loved our European tour but I also loved the other bases that we went to we, we, we flew all over the states we were able to go to Alaska and Hawaii and other places that I just I had never been to before never would have had the opportunity to be able to go to
0: awesome so as you were ending your world tour of <laughs> personal finance were you starting something on your own or were you thinking about next steps like i'm kind of enjoying this i know i like emceeing and i am learning about personal finance but what it, what was that for for you outside of being under your mom's event planner
1: it was a very interesting experience because it it definitely made me familiar with personal finance. So mm-hmm. I learned so much from being a part of that program and teaching and interacting with military members and all of this stuff. So I learned a lot about military finance. I learned a lot about just general personal finance. And it was something that it was a real it was really good while it lasted and I really enjoyed it. And um, we were speaking at an event and we were invited to speak to it at another event, the two of us. Mm-hmm. And from that event, somebody saw me present on stage as the MC and then asked me to MC their conference. And that oh, was cool. one of the very first things was they saw me on stage. They saw, I mean, I had done this so many times by then. It was just, it was completely you know, second nature. And so they mm-hmm. had asked me to MC their conference. And that same year, I was asked to MC an award show at another conference. And from the award show, they asked me to MC the entire conference from there. So it was kind of this thing where people started seeing me and then asking me to MC their events outside of what I was already doing over here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was completely word of mouth people. I hadn't even started you know, saying, oh, I'm a, I'm an MC, I'm a professional speaker or whatever. And it started to really develop. And that was two things that came out of the programs was me developing my MC skills, but also we had decided, and we had worked with sponsors for our programs that said, hey, we would really love it if you were able to make this downloadable almost. And because of our Agreements with the military. We couldn't film, we couldn't record, we couldn't do anything like that. So, they wanted us to be able to develop a resource that was sustainable, that people would be able to get this information and not have to be on a a base to get it. And Mm -hmm. so, from that, we were asked to start a podcast. And that completely led into me and my mom starting this podcast called The Money Mill House. And it was just financial education, very general financial education for people to be able to get from wherever they were. And they didn't have to necessarily be at the event to do it. And so these two different things started. We ended up – we had really great sponsors and great relationships. And those ended up all all drying up in the same year. It was a very weird thing of like, wow, this is really horrible. This is not – This doesn't feel good. And because of the nature of our program, we weren't able to take money from for-profit organizations. They all had to be nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And it was difficult because we couldn't mention them. We couldn't advertise for them. We couldn't give them any reason other than this is a great cause. (laughs) And so we shifted from doing the events full time to really working on our podcast and Then I started getting into more MC work and my mom started her own business on the side as well. So it was a very natural progression of God is obviously pointing us in different directions, but we're still together, but we're both going and doing our own things too.
0: Awesome. So does that bring us up to present day or are we missing something in between there?
1: It almost brings us up to present day. It was one of these things that I started working for myself and I started doing my own gigs. I started getting asked to speak in more places, which led to me doing a lot of work also through content creation. Mm -hmm. And so working with other companies, creating their content for them, doing a lot of almost constant consultation work, but not really. But it's just really fascinating to me because I thought I wanted to be a radio DJ. And then it turned into that really, you know, like this is like we're on a radio show right now. Mm -hmm. Like This is so similar to what it was like back then. And so many of these things came completely full circle. And so I was able to make... I would have been able to make a living on MC public speaking and content creation work for two years since we closed the program down and still doing some work here and there with Heroes at Home, which was the organization that we had started together. And now, present day, things are changing yet again.
0: Plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So what's next for you? So, a or really, what's brewing? I guess.
1: What, what's marinating on the yes. inside? <laughs> One might say. Well, it's a really interesting, just you know, and even just going back over the story, it's a really great reminder of things always work out mm-hmm. because I have been travel based for. When we were doing the Heroes at Home programs, but even now going to different conferences and speaking and emceeing, and it's one of these things that it's been really lucrative for mm-hmm. quite a couple years, and quite a couple years, <laughs> quite a few years. <laughs> and now I'm at a point where I'm about to have my first child. I am seven months pregnant, which is fun. And children is something that I've always, I've always wanted Mm -hmm. I've always, you know, kind of seen my friends have babies or I've seen family members have babies and was kind of thinking, oh man, when is it going to be my turn? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I ended up meeting the right guy. (laughs) Not a boy, a guy. Not a boy, a man. (laughs) I met a right man, the right man um, (laughs) about five years ago. And I was still doing my Here's at Home programs at the time and starting to really, you know, see what it was like to, to be married, which was a lot of fun. And then started saving up for a baby. And so we're having a baby, which is great. But also at the same time, a lot of my business is travel based. And so the last few months, especially has been a massive transition for me because I'm not able to travel anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was something that like, even last fall I was traveling so much and flying all over the place and doing media work and consultations and consulting and like all of this stuff. And it got to a point where my doctor told me to slow down and to chill out. And then I needed to focus on my pregnancy because there were, there's, it wasn't a high risk pregnancy, but it was kind of at the point where he's like, you're, you're exerting yourself a little too much. You need to slow down. Uh, There were some minor complications that he very specifically told me to chill out (laughs) when it came to these things. And so not being able to travel has really hindered me making money as an entrepreneur. And so I'm now in a life phase of I'm really excited to become a mom. I'm really excited to start this new chapter, but it also means that my business is going to massively change. Mm -hmm. and. I am going to have to start learning how to make money in a new way <laughs> and I have to figure out how that's going to happen. And I feel like entrepreneurs are very, can be re- very resilient and be able to bounce back and be able to figure things out. And I mean, I already have trips planned for <laughs> significant, you know, my first trip at post baby is going to be in October. I'm going to just strap him to me. And keep on going, (laughs) but completely reserve the right for that to be a horrible decision. Right. Like that just might not work out at all. My mom thankfully is coming with me, which is really nice, but I I'm going to have to start developing new ideas and new passions and kind of see how that's, that's going to work from being a stay at home mom and working from home and also realizing that that's okay. Mm -hmm. And It's just been a massive transition.
0: Wow. That's a big shift and pendulum swing.
1: Totally, totally
0: big shift. Wow. So I want to pivot for a moment here. And I just want to ask you a couple different questions. The first would be you kind of talked a lot about a couple of passions that I heard you say one definitely personal finance and that's something that you I think kind of just creeped in your story wasn't necessarily something from the beginning that I saw was there but it definitely creeped into your story and the other was being a communicator slash speaker slash MC would you say that those were your main passions
1: yes spot on Audrey Awesome.
0: <laughs> so if somebody's listening right now, and they're like, wow, this is kind of resonating with me. I actually do really like speaking in front of people, talking in front of people, doing events and that kind of thing. And they're like, what would be they're thinking, what would be my next step? And they're like, "Oh, this career that you have sounds really interesting. Sounds like something that I might be gravitating towards. What would be a next step or piece of advice that you would give to them?
1: I think the biggest thing, and this is, the, you know, what I've learned from my story is a lot of it happens when you're not expecting it. And so obviously the very, the biggest thing you need is having something to say. And for me, for a while, that was personal finance. And that's a great thing to talk about. It's very needed. And even though that was something that definitely crept in, it was also something that was throughout my life. My mom was in personal finance, so she raised us to be really good with money. Again, when it came to the college that I was going to go to, I wanted to go to the one that I could afford and Mm -hmm. get into, but also afford (laughs) and was able to graduate debt-free and was good with my money pretty much throughout college so that I was able to stay debt-free. I never had any credit card debt, never had any debt of any kind. And so these were things that I had lived because I had really great education from my parents when it came to that. And so kind of looking back on your life and saying, these are the things that I have experience in, even if I didn't mean to, even it wasn't, it wasn't on purpose that this happened. And finding out what it is that you want to say and really developing that why, why is it that I want to speak? Why is it that I want? And what is it that I want to share with people about whatever it is and finding that thing that you're really passionate about and then giving it to people is, is a really beautiful thing that you're able to do, but you have to figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I was having a really great conversation with a friend recently, and there's so much imposter syndrome that can creep up when it comes to these things and especially when it comes to sharing your life or your, you know, even if you're not an expert, if you're sharing about what it is that you are passionate about, it's really hard to feel like, Oh man, why would people listen to me? Why, why am I here or whatever? And I struggle a lot with imposter syndrome and a really great friend described it this way of, you know, if people are out there and they're hungry, and you have food like it's not going to be one of those things that they're they're hungry they're they're looking for food and you have food to give them it's not like oh well hold on wait it's got to be perfect it has to be mm-hmm. like wait a second it's not seasoned correctly it's not the right proportions or whatever they they don't really care about that they just want the food that you're able to give them mm-hmm. and they're grateful for that if they're hungry for it, it doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be five star Michelin star quality or whatever. They're willing to take what you have and they're gonna be they're grateful for it. And so why not feed people if they're if they're hungry? And so when it comes to what it is that you want to share, why do you want to share it? What is it you want to share? And then how are you going to get there? And it really just starts with learning how to be a better speaker anyway. And that was the thing was I, as I developed the skill, it was always nailing the talk that got me the next gig and actually honing that craft, being teachable, learning, seeing what worked, what did not work. I have really <laughs> great failure stories of me speaking and it being horrible. And just things like Toastmasters is a great way for you to practice I'm being a better speaker and going to conferences where it's about the craft that you want to learn. Being able to learn from those conferences is a really great way to meet people, to make relationships and to just do, just do it, take every opportunity. And that's, that's really the biggest thing is when you see an opportunity to take it. And I remember when I had applied for, I think it was the award show that I, I emceed the very first year of this conference and I remember them asking for someone who might consider emceeing and I remember seeing and be like, this is a major opportunity. This is a foot in the door. And if I get this, I know it can lead to other things. And it was super nerve wracking. It was really scary. It was really putting myself out there, but I felt like it would lead to new opportunities and it did.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like you're saying just to kind of find what what you know and what is part of your story of things that you can share, practice the art of speaking and take some classes on it and then kind of be out there and through different interests and being out there to find different opportunities through that.
1: Yeah, it sounds... Not super easy, but I promise (laughs) It, it gets better.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us each week to listen to our awesome guests as they come and they chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. I am just so humbled and honored that you would choose to download and listen to these conversations every other week. They're inviting me into your earbuds, your headphones, your car, your Google Home, wherever you listen to this. Thank you so much, friend. I am so grateful for you. Can you do me a favor? If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, would you do that in whichever podcast player or app that you are using to listen to us today? if you are already subscribed thank you so much friend i truly appreciate it that makes a huge huge difference i would love it if you would share this show with a friend i find out about so many shows through different recommendations through friends maybe some of you have found out about this show through a friend sharing the show with you lastly would you please leave a rating or a review on whatever player or app that you're listening to this on thank you I know that these little things may seem small, subscribing, sharing the show, leaving a rating or review, but they make a huge difference in new listeners finding the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you for being here and for cheering on the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you again for subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the show. Well, thank you so much for your your time and sharing with us. I just have one more question for you. And this is a question that I ask all the podcast guests. And that is, what is fueling you today? What is fueling your passion? So this could be anything from a new coffee drink to, I don't know, a new bassinet that you're looking for (laughs) for your baby's room. I don't know, a new book or TV show. So what's fueling you today? a really
1: great question if we go on the very deep level of what's fueling me in life right now it really is the thought of becoming a mom Mm -hmm. that's a really a really big motivator for a lot of the things that I'm doing because I kind of feel like for the longest time I've been playing pretend like I've been playing grown up and that I'm not actually an adult and all of these things that happen you know, that I'm still pretending in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's similar of, Oh my gosh, I'm about to have a kid. And that's for real. Like that is going to happen. And what kind of mom do I want to be? What do I want to teach my son? It is a boy. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, what are the things that I'm going to focus on when it comes to raising him and how I'm going to do things. And it's really kind of fueled who I am as a person, but, and the way that I'm going to obviously operate my business and how I'm going to operate my life from here on out and this new stage and this new journey. And so even just that thought every single day has just been something that is it's inspiring, but it's also nerve-wracking, like crazy. Like, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for a human. And that's really been fueling me. But if we on a, if we're on a lighter note, I've really been enjoying true crime podcasts.
0: <laughs> oh, same. What it's are some of your like- favorites?
1: My favorite murder is
0: oh, I know that hands
1: one. down the best podcast I've ever ever consumed. It's I can't get enough of them, and I think part of it too is they—it's a comedy podcast. It's a true crime comedy podcast, and I love their comedy. I feel like I learn from them when I listen to them, <laughs> as a podcaster, but as a someone who likes to make people laugh and all of that stuff. So my favorite murder is a really great one, and then also the Murder Squad—they're part of the same network, Ooh. and it's from the guys who helped find the Golden State Killer. It's a really weird thing, but it's beautiful. And by weird, I mean my fascination with true crime.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Bethany, for sharing with us today, sharing your story, your passion, your guilty pleasure here. (laughs) And yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Audrey. I so appreciate you having me here.
0: Friends, I have loved our conversation with Bethany. Wow, it was so great to hear Bethany's story. I love getting to hear about how passionate she was about speaking and communicating. And we were able to see how Bethany started off with her original goal of becoming a radio personality. Then how her story shifted and her goal morphed to be a speaker, an MC, and a communicator with a big emphasis in personal finance. It was crazy to see all the life twists and turns that Bethany has gone through so far in her career. I think Bethany is a perfect example of no wrong turns. Throughout her story, it was awesome to hear and see how her career shifted and changed throughout her story, while her initial passions of speaking and communicating remained a constant thread through all of those changes in her story. I hope that we are all encouraged by Bethany's story and her passions. My prayer is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode was edited by Sophia Bote. social media managed by Olivia Bote. and you guys can check out our show notes for our music credits. All right, guys, enjoy your week and your first couple days of this new fall season and these new days of September. If you have enjoyed the episode, please, please, please share it with a friend. And I will see you back here next time for our conversation with Eric Himes. Eric is a young adult leader who was the same Eric referenced um, as a singer-songwriter that Dr. Karen Harula talked about back in episode 21. Hey, friends. You have just listened to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audra the Hickman Hunter. I am your host, Audrey, and I am so happy that you guys are here. If you liked what you were listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We are bringing you new shows every other Tuesday, and we always have on awesome guests to come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey the Hickman Hunter on your podcast player so you guys will never miss an episode.